Deer Park uh, to visit. So thanks, Mom and, and Aunt Stu. Um, and old Lanner family that I haven't met, all of you, welcome. Um, should we start with opening prayers? Are we doing prayers still? We prayed out, yeah? Yes. I can't, because I'm in charge. Um, let's do a prayer. I, I think I might need it. Uh, will someone help me out with an opening prayer? Thank you. Let's do that. So first, let's um, 
gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the message. Jesus Christ is the message, and the gathering of Israel is the way we share that message. So if we think about it, the gathering of Israel is kind of the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the plan of salvation, and it's how we're going to share that. So Jesus Christ is the message. He is the way. He's the path. He's the truth. And he is salvation. So everything's going to point back to Jesus Christ. So we're going to see crossover there. But the gathering of Israel, again, it's just this way it's shared. So an easy way to think about it is it's the way it's shared. Now, I need your help on this next part. We're going to do a word association game. Have you guys done these? I say a word, and then you say the first name comes to mind. Okay? So let's do some practice ones. Um, apple. Tree. Uh, perfect. Perfect. Okay, you're getting it. Let's do a few more. Okay? Um, Let's see. Uh, that, that's funny. I practiced this in the car. Like, what would I do for the work association? So now I can't think of that. Um, all right. Uh, Provo. Utah. Uh, Temple. Square. <laughs> These are super random. I love it. Um, uh, Gathering Israel. President Nelson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I heard lots of things. I've only heard one thing clearly, like missionary work. Did anybody come up with anything else? Temples. What, what? President Nelson. President Nelson. Ten tribes. And, and what was it? Ten tribes. Ten tribes? Okay, lost ten tribes. Okay, excellent. You guys are excellent. Abraham and Covenant. Okay, now we're just getting serious. The heavy lifting has begun. Yeah, I think one of the things I think that we think with um, why I wanted to do that was when we think of the gathering of Israel, a lot of times we just jump to missionary work, whether it's in the temple or life. Right? You're like, oh, that's missionary work. That's missionary work. And it is so much more. It's so much more. So we're going to kind of break that down. So I want you to think gathering Israel, uh, a lot of things. So let me set you up for that. All right, keep going. A few more things to set up. Um, one of the first things that we see with the gathering of Israel is since it's the path, the way that we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's an invitation. Right? We don't always think of that. We kind of think of a missionary work and usually young missionaries. But it is an invitation. It's a way that we're going to invite others to come to Christ. It is also a reality. Uh, we know, as the, uh, and we'll see this in a second, uh, one of the articles of faith talks about the actual gathering, a literal gathering of Israel. Um, I, uh, every once in a while we teach this class, and people ask, you know, when is it happening, and do people live in the center of the earth, and something, and, you know, and so, so, but it is an actuality, so it's an invitation, but it's actually a reality. It's also a big picture concept. So one other thing we're going to see is that you're going to see this theme, this concept layer in over and over again. It's also a promise. Somebody mentioned Abraham, Abraham and Covenant. I think it was Mary during the prop. Thank you, Mary. And I think we see that, that God keeps his promises, and he made a lot of promises to Abraham and all of us in the, uh, the New and Everlasting Covenant. And so in there, we're going to see it's a promise. All right. Let me do... Um, there are like 50,000 books on, on um, the gathering of Israel. And I want to point out uh, just a couple more things as we lay the grammar. Uh, President Nelson again says in this gathering of scattered Israel in conference not too long ago, we share an enormous responsibility to be who the Lord wants us to be and do what he wants us to do. We are part of a great movement, the gathering of scattered Israel. I speak of this doctrine today because it is unique importance in God's eternal. So all of us here have a part in this. 
This isn't something just theoretical. So even though we're going to turn the page in a minute, we're going to get super nerdy, um, we remember that that's there. And then also in Mosiah, it reminds us here, President Nelson reminded us of our responsibility. And this is kind of our baptismal covenant, right? Like Mosiah 5, 7 through 8. Uh, because of the covenant which we have made, you should be called the children of Christ. His sons and his daughters, for behold, this day he has spiritually begotten you. For you say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore, you are born of him and have become his sons and daughters. And under his head you are made free, and there is no other head whereby you can be made free. There is no other name given whereby salvation cometh. Therefore, I would that you should take upon you the name of Christ, all you that have entered into the covenant with God, that you should be obedient to the ends of your life. Woo. So we start to feel the responsibility. This is our responsibility. Right. So that's why we're going to learn about it. All right. Let's do, um, I'm going to just leave this up here. I want to talk about a one idea that we jump in. And if you're bored, you can do that. Um, one of the ways that we are going to explore the scriptures is what we call a biblical motif, or it's called a tight scene. These are patterns that we see in scriptures that the scriptural authors will build so that you can see things happening in them and draw out meaning and intent and just something better or greater out of it. So these biblical motifs, or again, sometimes called a type scene, are patterns. They're patterns that you're going to see over and over again. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, have you ever heard a story in the scriptures about a woman who was unable to have a child who was barren? I'm going to start, and then we'll see if we can come up with a few more. Sarah, Abraham's wife, right? Remember Sarah? They're old, they're unable to have a child, and yet the promise is that they're going to have posterity, they're going to have people. And they don't for a really long time. Sarah, right? Can you think of any others? <laughs> Hannah, excellent example. So first Samuel, second, right? Um, Manoah's wife uh, is like, I can't have a child, and then first wife is having kids like crazy, and she goes to Shiloh tabernacle and praise, and praise this beautiful uh, kind of song almost, a poem that asks for deliverance. So Hannah, and then she's blessed with, who was her child? Do you remember? Sam, um, Samuel, right? Prophet. So, um, and, and his name, by the way, means God hears, right? So God hears the prayer and blesses her with this child, and he becomes a prophet. Okay, any other examples? So we have Sarah, we have Hannah, who else? Elizabeth, exactly. So we jump all the way to the New Testament, and we uh, jump right into Luke. And Luke 1, we meet Elizabeth, who's married to Zachariah, their priestly family, Aaron, and they can't have children, right? We're going to come back to that one in a minute. Rachel. Rachel. Yeah, so it goes from like Sarah, and then, another, and then Rachel, and she can't, but Leah, right? The sister can have a lot of kids, but Rachel can't. So we see that problem. Was there any, were there any others? Because did an excellent job. Rebecca, yeah, exactly. It's like every one of them. So you have Sarah and then Rebecca, the next Isaac's wife, and then, um, and then Rachel. So they all struggle to have children. And you're gonna say, Lori, why are you telling us that? But each time you see these kind of type scenes for these biblical motifs, the, the scriptural authors are tying together big ideas, big ideas. And they're going to layer it together and eventually point to Christ. Now, a lot of them are going to be really similar. So the first thing we do when we look for these type scenes is we look for the similarities, like we just did with uh, women who can't have children. And then we're going to look for the differences. And it's in the difference 
It's in the variation where there's like a surprise plot twist. And the surprise, surprise plot twist sometimes is to teach us something. At the same time as Elizabeth, do you remember another woman who really shouldn't have been able to have a child? It was kind of a surprise. And they're being oppressed. 
and then they get to the Red Sea, the wind blows all night, it goes up uh, on the sides, and they go through on dry ground. Joshua is going to repeat it about 40 years later, right? They go to the Jordan River, they go there, they carry the Ark, the Covenant now through, the water piles up on each side, and they close, and they go through. Where's the twist? Where's the twist? Do you guys know what, who's, whose story is the twist? Okay, so that's a lot of stories of water and saving and deliverance. Who, I think someone said it. Who said it? Excellent. That's an A+. Plus. Who said that? Seriously? Okay. You can just come back up here later. Tomorrow. Okay. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Where was John the Baptist teaching this idea of a new beginning through water? At the Jordan River. Where they crossed over. Cool, right? Wait a minute. Are you telling me that these stories continue in the Book of Mormon too? There were some pipes that Jared traveled the boat that was tight like a dish. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super memorable, right? It was tight like a dish. It was tight like an ark. And then they are carried across the wind. The Spirit of the Lord pushes them across until salvation. Were you thinking of that one or were you thinking of another one? Yeah, the Jaredites, right? And he gets the stones, and he's like, I don't know how to light this thing up, and he lights it, and they go. Excellent. Another night, right? Okay. Excellent. Mary. Yeah, it happens at the same place as John the Baptist is at, right? Elijah is, is, goes up into heaven at this spot, the Jordan River. Uh, the school of the prophets is this spot, the Jordan River. John the Baptist is at this spot. And he's like, hey, everybody, remember when we became a nation? When we came through deliverance and we made a covenant and we came through water, reset. We're doing a terrible job. We're doing it again. Baptism. Who wants to? Okay. And there's the twist. Where's the twist? Points to the Savior. Yeah. Jonah. Yeah, Jonah is an interesting one, right? It's a satire. <laughs> if you haven't, I know we haven't gotten there yet this year. Come home. Me. Jonah's a satire, right? It's a prophet who runs away. And this chaos water, this thing is the farthest he can get, and then he's swallowed by the, the great fish, and uh, then he's spit out, and he delivers the Assyrians, right? Good. Good example. Yeah, he was looking to a temple. He says that great prayer in Jonah 3, right? I remember when I was in the whale for the fish or whatever, and uh, we can debate that later. And he says, I remember <laughs> looking back to the tabernacle and when the Lord, when you, when you rescued me. Looks to the looks to the, the temple. And, and Christ talks about the Jordan. And Christ says it's the sign of Jonah, right? Exactly. Okay. Are we starting to get it? These design elements? Pretty rad, right? Okay. Okay. Whew, my job is done. Now I've got the gathering of Israel. Actually, there's more. So the gathering of Israel is going to take some of these things and it's going to build and build and build and build and build. And we're going to hear the same stories over and over and over again, just like we did with barren women or uh, saving through water. And there are quite a few of these. These aren't the only type scenes or biblical motifs or scriptural motifs that you will find, but um, they are some of the more fun ones. So, um, yeah, we'll stay after and we'll hang out and we'll talk about them later. Um, but, but, but we have these, right? So here's what I want you to take away. If you can remember nothing else, say, the prophets and writers of scripture wanted to point us to, who was it they wanted to 
<laughs> and they did that by telling the stories so that they repeated. So it drew her attention like a funnel and it pointed to him. So when you see these type scenes, you see these motifs, it's always pointing to the savior and his role as the savior, okay? So sometimes you'll find like, you know, common patterns and they might build into these things and they might not. But if it does this, then you're like, hey, I think I'm on to something. I think I'm on to something. Pretty cool, right? Okay, let's, I know. Thank you. Super <laughs> rad. It's even better in Hebrew. All right, let's keep going. Um, oh, I wanted to share one other. So let's build, let's build our story for um, gathering Israel, shall we? So one of the first things we want to look to is what's called the setting. This is the where, where things happen. And the settings are going to be repetitive. One of the settings we just did was water. But the setting of the gathering of Israel is usually one of two places. So it helps us uh, pick up the story. Um, the, the gathering of Israel, a lot of times, is going to talk about a gathering and a scattering, and it's going to take place in a wilderness. A wilderness. The wilderness is that vague place that's just not where people live. Sometimes it's barren and desert. In Genesis 1, like verse 2, um, it says, you know, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then it talks about, and the wild and waste. How is that in English? How does it go? In the wilderness? Without form and void. In Hebrew, it's tohu wabohu. It rhymes. And so I like water and the, the, the waste, right? It kind of has that same idea. It's just kind of a nothing. It's this wilderness. The wilderness is, can you think of any places where people are sent into the wilderness? Or we use the term the wilderness. I will start. I will start. I, I'm going to start with Nephi because someone else said it. <laughs> I was joking ahead. I didn't want to go ahead. But that was excellent. Who was that? Okay. You're like an A-plus student. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Let's start with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. After partaking of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they are sent outward, eastward, even into the wild and waste, the lone and dreary world. Right? <laughs> and you're like, tough. There's some out there. Okay, let's do another. Before we, this is the setting. We're going to figure out what it means in a second. What? Another example of a wilderness. Children of, out into the wilderness. Children of Israel. Tell children, me again. The children of Israel. The children of Israel. The children of Israel, they're free. That was the Moses story we just kind of touched on, right? They are they're a new nation. They're free from Egypt. They are sent out. They send the spies in. And then they're like, no way. Super scary, super duper scary. The giants there, and they eat our heads. I paraphrase, but it was scary, you guys. It was scary. You have no idea. We were like grasshoppers, and they were like giants. And there's no way we're. I mean, we were slaves ten minutes ago. I'm pretty sure we can't beat those guys up. And uh, I love this. I always think like Josh and Caleb. <laughs> good news, good news. It is awesome. They're like, we just told them it's not. Right. So what happens to them? They complain about everything. They complain about food. They complain about water. They complain about going into the land. So then they wander. Where do they wander? In the wilderness. The wilderness. Okay, so we have another wilderness. Adam and Eve, wilderness. Children of Israel, wandering the wilderness. Any other wilderness in there? Yeah, Elijah, right? And he is preaching out there. And he's a wild man. He is wearing his camel, a 
and his leather, and his hair's crazy kooky, and he's eating locusts, and he's dying, and he's like, ah, ah, right? Can you think of any other prophets that are wearing, like, Tyler, right, good brother. It's like you were from Orem with that answer. So it's John the Baptist. Exactly, John the Baptist is wearing the Elijah uniform. And he's out in the wilderness. You guys, it's all about these things. And he's like, hey, everybody, come to a renewal. Come to the river. Come to the baptism, right? You don't have, I don't know if he stood like this, but I imagine he stood like this. I <laughs> imagine John the Baptist was doing a lot of school things. Right? Elisha, um, also, they're out there in the wilderness after preaching. Any other wilderness, wilderness, who? Alma? Tell me, Alma, 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 Elder, Alma the Elder. This is like a Bible quiz, you guys are throwing me at, right? Alma the Elder, he takes uh, the uh, priests of Noah and the people, and they go out into the wilderness, right? And they go to the waters of Mormon, and they form the church. Okay, that was the yeah, the woman is driven out into the wilderness. The wilderness. Huh, I bet there's a theme here. Any other wilderness? Okay, plot twist. There it is. That was what we're waiting for. The light changes every once in a while. Um, Jesus. Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, Matthew 3, he goes out into the wilderness for how long? Hmm. Have we mentioned 40 days yet? We'll come back to time in a second. So he goes out into the wilderness and he's tested. It's a time of testing. And he goes, and then who comes along? It's a time of purification. 
So setting, setting is important. Let's talk about time. One of the other things that comes up often in these scriptures that help us align them is not just the place that they're going to be in, but how long they're going to be in. We've thrown one out a few times um, where it's a long period of time. Uh, it rained for, what was it, 40 days and what? 40 nights. And the Israelites wandered around for how long? 40 years. And when um, Moses went up to the mountain to receive the covenant, the people who had just received the covenant down, they were um, preparing down there and partying for how long? 40 days. Can you think of any other 40 days? Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. Any other 40s? Yeah, the Salt Lake Temple took 40 years to build. I don't know if you've noticed, but temples do not take 40 years to build, <laughs> right? Even then, right? Manti, St. George, my band, they were done. This one in the vineyard, it's just like here every day, watch it, right? That's the off-ramp, rad. They don't take 40 years. It's a time of trial, a time of preparation, a time of refinement. Um, and so these 40 years in the wilderness go together, go together. So 40, any other examples of 40? Yeah. Heavenly Father cried for 40 days before he put the breath of life into Adam. That was quoted in the Ensign of Earth in 1996, April 3rd. Okay, but one of, okay, the, the spring one. Okay, we're going to look at it. I don't know that one. I love that. So, you guys. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Did you love the Apocrypha? I might have a scripture in here later. Um, so, 40. So you're going to see time frames. It might not be 40. I once had a fight with someone online about Moses. His first years were 40, then he was in uh, Midian for 40 years, <laughs> fight and then it was 40 years wandering around. You're like, read your Bible, Lori. It was 120. And I'm like, that's stupid. I mean, as Jesus would want us to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure those are all literal. They might be. It doesn't matter. The point isn't that they're literal, just like wilderness. Well, is what they point us to and what they mean. So sometimes you see 40, a time of trial, a time of testing, a time of purity. Can you think of any other times, numbers that kind of like pop in there all the time? Maybe not in Gathering of Israel, not that. Just anything while we're talking? Seven, seven. Yeah, seven's like the super most famous one, right? Three, seven, twelve. You're good. You guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah, and then thousands. Yeah, and it all almost pulls out. Three and a half. Uh, so just a quick lesson on, you guys want to do this? This isn't really in the lesson plan, are you okay? Yeah, sure. I'm going to frick them. I'm your new professor, and I'm here to talk about biblical books, not gathering Israel. So, numbers, seven, uh, three. Three. Can you think of any, the best way to understand what these things symbolize is think of examples, and think of a bunch of them, not like two. Think as many as you can find. Google them, okay? Three, can you think of any examples of three in scripture? The God, Godhead. Three days in the grave. Three days in the grave. Good, excellent. Now, Jesus was dead for three days. Peter. James and John. Paul and Mary. Peter, James, and John. Right? Yeah. Peter, James, and John. Right? First presidency. First presidency. The Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three days in the grave. Any other trees? They're like a bazillion. It's like the most common one. What do you think three means? Who does it remind It reminds us of God. It means it's from God. Okay, it's from God. Oh, skip it. 
Any examples of seven? Seven days of creation. Excellent. Seven pairs of paradise. What else? Seven. Uh, seven on the menorah, right? Has seven arms. I once drew it wrong. Um, don't tell the Greenville University of Utah. They're like, you don't even have any. I'm like, not nine. Nine? That's the Hanukkah. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. Uh, seven in the temple. Seven. Seven arms. What else? Seven. Seven years of plenty yeah. in the story of Joseph's. Yeah. So we already have like five more. So seven a lot of times is perfection. It's completion. Right? It's perfection. Yeah. Um, because it's not quite seven, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not perfect. You didn't make it. It's like it's like uh, making fun of. It's a mockery. It's an opposition to perfection. I, I didn't actually. It's a limitation. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Limitation and imitate, not limitation. That's even better. So, limitation. Twelve. small piece. The first time we see it, we don't actually see it by word, but we see it here 
in Noah. So since we're doing the Old Testament, um, now you are now with the Gathering of Israel portion of the lecture. Um, every and every living substance was destroyed, which is upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. By the way, that is like literally word for word the creation story. It's an uncreation. Okay. So it's like things that creep and things that fly, and yeah. So it's it's the undoing of creation. And the fowl of the heavens, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. So only a small group is saved, a remnant. And this theme is going to be the theme that we're going to see. How does the Lord save people? How does he use these motifs to show us how it's all going to work? This is where it begins. There are other um, examples of small groups of people or remnants being saved. Can you think of any examples in Scripture that will not keep you to the Old Testament of a small group of people being saved from an event? Lehi. Exactly. Anything else? Jerry. Jerry. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are getting that. Like, yeah. What are the ice? Just say all the ice. The Bulekites. Yes. The Jerry's. Yes. Right? The other ice that I can't pronounce. Yeah, those two. What else? <laughs> Zion's camp. Zion, excellent. Okay, that's Friday's class. I hope you come. Okay. <laughs> We're teaching this right modern science camp. The small group is safe, right? Who else? You said something here? Yeah. Just right there to start the church in 1830. It was only six people. This small group of people that is saved, a remnant. Right? A remnant that's going to be saved. Okay, so that's our first idea, the remnant. I looked up a few examples of remnants. Um, here, here they are. Thank you, topical guide. There are more than this, by the way. Because here's the tricky thing when we translate scripture is that we don't always use the same word for the same word. The same word. But this is your topical guide, so thank you for taking notes, but you can just get it from the church. So I just <laughs> cut and paste this. Um, so you can see all, the, and these are only the Old Testament. So they're doing Old Testament today, right? Old Testament. One of my favorite stories of a group of people being saved in this idea of a remnant is going to happen again in Genesis. So in Genesis, we have a ton of them. We have Noah, and then we have the Jaredites, right? I'm just going in time book. And then we have Abraham. Mm -hmm. Abraham's like, it's just like the lone guy. Like, here I am. And the Lord's, um, can I do another Bible nerd thing? The book of Genesis is split into two halves. Parts. They're not really halves. Chapters 1 through 11, big picture view. Cosmological. I have to do the voice. Big picture view. So it's going to be like the creation. Right? Fratricide. Getting along with people. Building cities. Right? Noah's Ark. All this like big picture stuff in Babylon. First time we need Babylon, Babylon is here. And then after that, 12 through 50, we zoom in. And it's the zoomed in view. So we have the zoomed out view, and we have a zoomed in view in Genesis. And the zoomed in view, we're going to start with how will the Lord save everyone? Right? Big pictures of the ark and all that. And then in chapter 12, it zooms in on who? Genesis, the first person we meet in Genesis after. The Jaredites and the, and, and the uh, other ice is Abraham, one guy. The Lord's going to save everybody, and he's going to start with one family. 
son. Who was Abraham's great-grandson that was pretty famous? Thank you. He had a bunch of them, right? Joseph. Joseph is going to be carried away into the wilderness. Also called Egypt, but it has their own theme in Egypt. And he's gone there, right? Brother Selim. He's a visionary. He has dreams. He's somebody spiritual. He's also kind of bratty, right? Hey, everybody, guess what? I've had a bunch of dreams. And guess what the dream was? You were worshiping me. How cool is that? <laughs> like, let's kill him. Right? Uh, <laughs> and then he runs home and he's like, Dad, they're not even doing what you said they should do. Right? Have you, have you read the story? He's super jerky. Right? He's a brat. And they're like, let's kill him. Judah especially is like, kill him. And instead they said, you know what? Don't kill him. Sell him. You know? Sell him. They're like, well, we should probably not kill our brother. You know? We'll be really righteous and we'll throw him in a pit. And then he's sold. They take his, he's wearing a special garment. I bet gar, a special garment is one of those things that we don't have time to go through, though. But he's wearing a special garment, right? And what do they do to it to convince their dad that Joseph is dead? Put blood on it. They dip it in what? Blood. Blood of what? A lamb. A goat. A goat. Oh, an F for all of you. I have an A up here for you. <laughs> it's a goat. And just so you know, it's another thing because Jacob and his whole fool his dad with Esau, and it was a goat. Deception, I know. Old Testament's right. <laughs> so this goat, they take a goat, they kill it, and then they dip that, that special robe into the goat's blood, and they send it back to, to deceive Jacob, their father, and say he was killed. He was killed. Then do you know about this coat? What happens to this coat? There's a little piece. They keep it. It's a sacred coat. Right? They keep it. Does it ever degrade or fall apart? No. It's preserved. It's a remnant that's going to be preserved. Hold that thought. Go back to Joseph. Joseph's in Egypt, right? He's there. Well, it, things just go from bad to worse. And then they get better. Spoiler alert. You already read that though, Frank, because we did a test this year. So now He's, he's back in charge. He is number one. He's like the prime minister. He's got the coat. He's, or he's got a, a, you know, a clothes that make him look like Pharaoh. He speaks Egyptian now. He's got an Egyptian wine, Egyptian kids. He's, he's telling dreams. He's all that in a bag of chips, right? And, it's, and a plague happens, also a theme. The plague happens. The brothers come, and they don't recognize him, right? But they are suffering. It's a, it's a famine, and they need to be saved. They need salvation. They need redemption, not just from their sins of killing their, nearly killing their brother, but they need salvation from life. They're going to die if they stay in Canaan. So we have an idea of someone who can save and redeem people. Could be plagues, could be from sins, and yet there's a remnant that will be preserved. This little piece of cloth, this coat. And it's saying, it's a reminder that the Lord is going to save a remnant. And through a remnant, he will save everyone else. That's the theme. That's our type theme. Our type theme. Our type theme, the Lord will save a remnant, and he will take that little group, and through that group, 
they will save the world. That is the gathering of Israel. Okay. So let's talk about one other big element. Cool. We good? Questions, comments? If you look back through scripture, you're going to see this idea of the remnant, right? Of a small group who is saved. Whether it's Noah's family, whether it is Abraham, whether it's Jacob, whether it's Joseph, it's going to happen over and over. The Israelites starts with Moses, right? He tries to kill that Egyptian. He does kill him. And like Exodus 2, he's like, I can save him on my own. He, you know the story, right? He kills the Egyptian, then he has to flee. And then he comes back later. He chooses the Lord, and the Lord helps him save everyone. So this little remnant is saved so that he can return and save everyone. Moses. Now there's one other critical element that we find in the Old Testament about the gathering of Israel. If that's what we think, the, the main theme is that a small remnant will be preserved that will help save everyone, that's like the thesis up here. There's also an idea of scattering. You can't be gathered if you're not scattered, right? And this is where it gets super nerdy. So I make a chart. Um, after the time of Moses, flash forward um, like 800 years. And now all the tribes have settled into Cana. And in the north, there are a bunch of guys that live in the north tribes, and there were some guys that live in the south tribes. Now here's the tricky part, and you probably know this, but for the rest of your church career, memorize this chart. Because they interchange them, right? So the people in the north, church the people, career. there's going to be some tribes over up there, there's some people who live down here, and they'll sometimes call them one or the other. So up in the northern kingdom, sometimes called the northern kingdom, is going to be called also the kingdom of Israel. It's confusing, right? Let's take the name. In the southern, they're going to be called Judah. The dominant tribe is sometimes also what they'll call these two groups. This will make sense in a minute. Hold on. Ephraim is in the north, and Judah is in the south. And then exactly, then you have capitals, so I put the little stars. Jerusalem's in the south, and then Samaria is in the north. There's also Shiloh is another big town in the north that they're based out of. So they'll still call it one of those cities. Uh, there's about ten, there are about ten tribes in the north. And about two in the south. Obviously, people don't like only live there. They live all over. So they mix. But that's kind of where their, um, their heritage setting that we find in the book of Numbers is given is where they're supposed to live. If they're supposed to give that as an inheritance. Um, and then there are prophets. Like the whole second half of the Old Testament is out of uh, chronological order. But it's these prophets going to say, straighten up, you dummies. Okay. But um, in the north, Elijah, Elisha, Amos, Hosea, they go there. Uh, in the south, Isaiah, Micah, Joel, Jeremiah, Lehi. Right? Oh, there are a lot. There, those weren't all of them. Right? They're all those names that end in I at the end of the books. So they go there. Now, the tribes are uh, settled in at this point, and they've started to receive some of these blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. We didn't go over that. I hope you know. What are some of the blessings that we get from the Abrahamic covenant? What was Abraham promised? I think I put a slide together, but let's see if we can do it. The priesthood. 
land. No place to put it. And posterity. Posterity. Anything else? Land. No place to put it. Land. I just use peace. Oh. A temple. A temple. Protection. protection. That's good. You're getting with the peace. Yeah. <laughs> Prosperity, too. Right? They're going to be blessed. So they're going to get a place to put it. They're going to get the temple. They're going to get the priesthood. They're going to get posterity. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come from Judah. Right? Second Samuel 7. There's your promise. Yeah, hit me up there. Sarah gets a covenant name. Uh, Solomon gets a covenant name. Uh, Jacob, right, gets a covenant name. Uh, they go on and on and on and on, right? And so these covenant names are given to tie us to that. Part of that blessing is that um, they are going to have a place, right? And it's specifically Canaan here. And yet, how do they do? If you were to flip to any book in the Old Testament, how would you rate the Israelites' success rate? <laughs> Dismal. Terrible, right? And most of the books are answering the question, how did we get here and how did this happen? If we were the chosen people, how did this happen? How did it happen? They were disobedient. They were disobedient. Yeah, they blew it over and over and over again. Silly Israelite, right? You ever think that? Yes, all the time. Ah, exactly. That's what we get to. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> right? It's our story. Now, some people are scattered. There's a scattering that's going to happen with them. And I just want to point out one thing. Not everyone is scattered because of evil doing. Right? The Jaredites are saved. The Nephites are, Lehites are saved. Noah is saved because of righteousness, right? So they are scattered to protect them. But there are also those, the Israelites, who are scattered because they don't have the Lord's protection. Yeah.
So there are some that are scattered for good reasons, and then there are some that are scattered for bad reasons, but the Lord is going to use it anyway. He's going to use it. So he's going to take the blessings that he's going to give to all of Israel, and he is going to uh, use it to spread throughout the world, right? spread throughout all nations. Now, there's a place that we learn uh, where we're from, right, that we get one of these blessings. Um, has anybody here heard of a patriarchal blessing? <laughs> By the way, it's not patriarchal. It's not patriarchal. No. Get rid of that from your phrase. Yes. And it's not revelations either. No. Oh, no. I made it sure. Just like Joseph. <laughs> yeah, we receive um, a declaration of our lineage, right? What blessings we inherit. And we are given those blessings so that we can save others. Let me end on one idea. One idea that we need to take from the Old Testament. And it's the idea of a kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer. You've probably heard the term uh, primogenitor, right? That the oldest son would get twice as much inheritance. So if you were splitting things, uh, let's say I was a dad and I have a big plot of land and I have two sons, I would split it three ways. Two sons, I know it's a tricky math. Two sons, three ways, and it would give the oldest son two allotments. And what was he supposed to do with that? Well, he was supposed to support the vulnerable people in his family. That could be his mom. That could be uh, sisters um, that weren't able. It's a different time. We weren't all able to go to graduate school in ancient Israel and get a job. And so he was supposed to support um, the vulnerable women uh, in his family. But he was also supposed to support um, someone in his family who had sold themselves into slavery mm. for debt. Mm. So if you had incurred a certain number of debts, you would potentially be thrown into prison uh, or jail and um, for at least seven years. Okay? So sometimes they were doing it on purpose because they didn't have any other way to go. So the kinsman redeemer, this, this older kinsman, this, this responsible one is to redeem you. That's literally what the word redeem means. It means to pay for you like a debt. So the kinsman, the family member, that is given these extra blessings, the blessings of, I don't know, priesthood, posterity, a place, the temple, the right? They are given these things so that they can help redeem and pay for and help and save the family members that need their help. It is their responsibility to pay for them. And this responsibility wasn't a one-time thing. It was forever. Once you redeemed someone in your family, you were responsible for them forever, much like a teenage boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
right? We are given additional blessings. We just listed them, right? Posterity, prosperity, a place to put it, the priesthood, all of those things so that we can go and save our family. And we can be like that remnant of Joseph. Get it now? Did you get where the type scene came in? Joseph, the remnant, the cover of the priesthood coat? He has the remnant, and it's going to be preserved so that it can preserve everyone else. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has preserved a remnant, and he sets it up here in the Old Testament so that we can see our role in saving souls. Questions? Um, if I leave any thoughts with you, it would be these. The Lord loves all of his children. And he is going to provide a way for them to be saved. I know the plot twist in all of these stories is the Savior Jesus Christ. That he will provide a way for 